Welcome to the HVMN Podcast, your resource for evidence-based nutritional strategies, cognitive performance, and fitness science. Thank you for joining us. On May 17th, 2019, the low-carb community was taken aback with some surprising news. Fantine's seven-day meal plans, a popular low-carb Facebook group with over 1.5 million members, was banned by the platform without warning. 1.5 million people, a population akin to an entire city, found themselves without a support system. No new meal recipes to add to their week, and really, no home. Many were in uproar and disbelief, heated discussions around censorship, targeted attacks, and even anti-low-carb conspiracies ran amok. Notable figures like Professor Tim Noakes, Dr. Sean Baker, CrossFit founder Greg Glassman chimed in with their two cents. Clashing opinions ranging from blaming the silent but powerful anti-fat industry heads to supporting Facebook's decision because they believe the diet is unscientific caused quite the schism. After all was said and done, Facebook reinstated the group two days later. What could have caused the banning of millions in the first place? The creator of the group, Rita Venter, joins this episode to walk us through the entire debacle. Jeff, take it away. Rita, really great to have you on the program. I know you're dialing in from South Africa, so appreciate the big time difference from San Francisco to South Africa here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm very honored to be on your show, to be honest. It's, uh, it's a huge privilege. No, our, our honor. Uh, and this is a very timely conversation. We just had Professor Tim Noakes on our program, and this was before the recent controversy hoopla around the Facebook group that you started uh, with one over 1.6 million people on it about the Banting diet, which is sort of the South African uh, colloquial term for a low-carb ketogenic lifestyle. Um, and just to give a quick summary for the folks who haven't been following the controversy, which was big on low-carb Twitter and nutrition Twitter, uh, essentially one of the largest diet lifestyle groups on Facebook, over 1.6 million people, was banned uh, without warning and then the last couple of days was reinstated, uh, and, and it seems to be kind of sm smoothed out. Yes, it has. We'll dive into that, uh, but before that, I, I'm just just curious to hear your personal story. Okay. You know what brought you into the banting lifestyle, the low carb you know, lifestyle, and what caused you to start this group? Obviously, you know, years ago, which was you know quite seminal in terms of what you've seen the movement grow to to today. Yeah, it was five years ago in August. It will be five years. Um, my brother and his wife came to, to a function that we had and they'd lost all this weight. And I was like, oh, my word, what happened? How did you manage to lose all this weight? And I'll never forget, they, I said that I'd make curry that night. And they said they'd bring along their own um, cauliflower rice. And I was like, oh, what's cauliflower rice? What, what are you talking about? Rice is rice. And when they arrived, they looked so fantastic. I was so jealous. I was like, what happened, guys? How did you lose all the weight? And they basically said, oh, we're following the Tim Noakes diet. Because everybody knew it as the Tim Noakes diet at first. Nobody had knew the word dancing. So, um, Obviously, I couldn't wait to get home to Google because you couldn't Google there because it would have just been rude. So I couldn't wait to get home and Google this. And, you know, the more I read, the, the more I realized that this was the lifestyle for us. Uh, my husband's a type 1 diabetic and he could never control his sugar. And I know that it's normally type 2 diabetics that, that do the keto, paleo, um, banting diet. But we saw – then he went to China for, for – um, for a business uh, and and um, you know I just thought well this is the perfect time to clean out the house and you know start reading labels and start cleaning out and when I did clean out I was left like with one tin of tomatoes in the cupboard every single thing that I had in my cupboard that was healthy like muesli and cereals and all those things they were all full of sugar and a very very high carb although they said fat free and I just thought wow you know like I have to literally I didn't throw it away I actually gave all the food to our local um, soup kitchen so because you know obviously the the food wasn't ideal for me but it was fine for people that are hungry so I gave that all away and we started there and and um I lost weight. Uh, at first, I actually gained weight, to be honest, because I was just 
completely overeating. You know, I, I didn't know how to do this. So then I decided, seeing that I've got a black belt in Facebook, I'm just going to join every single group that I can possibly join about this lifestyle. And um, well, I belonged to a group, and this group was selling meal plans. And the, there was an elderly lady on there. She said that she was a pensioner, and she couldn't afford this meal plan. Um, and could somebody please give her some help? Because she wanted to know if she was overdoing protein. And the group owner basically said to her, look, if you can afford to stuff your face with protein, you can afford to, to buy one of my meal plans. So that sort of got me a tad annoyed. Well, it didn't get me a tad annoyed. I got seriously hacked off. And I just decided I'm going to start a group and I'm going to design meal plans and I'm going to do them based on what we can eat and not eat. And I'm just going to give them away for free. Everybody is welcome. Come and get them all for free. So... That's how the group started. Basically, I wasn't trying to be noble or anything. I was just really, really annoyed that somebody would disrespect somebody that was older than them in that fashion and that somebody would um, disrespect somebody that just couldn't afford something. That, that, you know, we all, I'm fortunate enough not to have to worry about where my next meal is coming from, but there are a lot of people that aren't in that position. Right. So um, when when I started the group, it was a very, very elitist lifestyle. I mean, people were eating like ragu beef and uh, or every little thing had to be organic and the most expensive and organic coconut oil and organic everything. Like I said to somebody the other day, it was like grass-fed beef fed, you know, watered with the tears of unicorns. If you didn't have that, then, then you weren't going to be successfully dancing. You know, we've got a, a huge problem in South Africa with people that that eat very, very high carbs. They eat what I think what you Americans would probably call grits, uh, maize meal. So it's, it's grits. So it's a staple diet. It's maize meal. It's a staple diet in South Africa. Would you say that the carbohydrate load is over 50% typical? Oh, yeah. People they are either. eating. You get the in the same meal, they're eating what we call pup, which you call grits or polenta or, you know, if you want to be really fancy, uh, and potatoes and rice and or everything is just carbs because those things are all really cheap. So um, carbs are cheap. I mean, they demo, they, they, they're not the best food. And... Um, well, I, I, look, I'm not going to demonize carbs. Carbs are not bad for everybody. Carbs are bad for people that are insulin resistant and carbs are bad for, you know, let, let's not completely demonize carbs because I don't think that's... Yeah, I, I yeah, appreciate that nuance. Absolutely. Because I think it's like the, the, the carbs really stop the notion of famine, right? Because they were so cheap and available. And now I think it's like, okay, we solved people starving to death. Now people are over-consuming it. How do we refix that new problem? And I think that's, I think, the more uh, sanguine, more future, you know, more positive mindset around why we're talking about this lifestyle. One of the questions I had was, you know, it sounded like as you were experimenting and going on the Banting diet, the low-carb ketogenic diet, um, how long was that adaptation period for you personally before you went and wanted to start your own meal plans. Curious to hear your initial transition. Probably about two months. It was about two months when I realized that I need to, to take this seriously because I, I started feeling so much better. Got it. You know, I wasn't sluggish. I, was, I didn't have brain fog anymore. I, um, I could play with my granddaughter. I, I just felt so much better so it was it was quite a quick transition actually and then I was like one of those reborn Christians I <laughs> gotta I learn about to, this and talk about this and figure this out right I just spread the, the message to everybody and I beat everybody death with it it was awful <laughs> I, I think I was awful during that time to be honest I really really was awful <laughs> I, I want to talk about the explosion and the interest in the growth of this community and I think we have very interesting personal parallels here where, you know, my entry into the low-carb ketogenic lifestyle actually really started from fasting, which in a lot of ways is a very parallel metabolic strategy as a low-carb diet in the sense that 
both strategies reduce the carbohydrate intake and shift towards more of a fat oxidation, fat metabolism state and yeah. uh, induce ketogenesis and ketosis. Um, yeah. And now today, you know, I think a lot of people in both communities or strategies uh, both do fasting or intermittent fasting and a low carb ketogenic diet. Um, but I remember three, four years ago when I first started fasting, people thought I was nuts. People thought it was crazy. No, no one knew what the hell was going on. And I imagine four or five <laughs> years ago is when you started, uh, the Banting group and you were exploring for the first time, people th must've thought you were crazy. Like, how do you not eat carbs? This is a staple that the, the government and all the regulatory bodies have been telling us to consume, consume as the base of the pyramid. Um, I want to hear your journey in terms of seeing this movement grow and the evidence grow and the science grow. And it must've been very, very quick to go from, you know, one person yourself starting this group to over 1.6 million people in five years. Uh, can you describe that journey and, and, and what were the inflection points across the last five years? The group grew because we, we attracted people that were, um, of all walks of life, not just wealthy people, all walks of life. And they started seeing this in their communities. And people started posting pictures of their before and after. So how has the science changed in South Africa? Five years ago, if you said that, that you were banting, it, it was literally like you were, it, it was like a cuss word. The most exciting part about the banting journey is how everybody's health markers are improving because obesity is just a, it, it's, it's just a symptom of eating incorrectly. The more incorrectly you eat, the, the more obese you're going to become and the more you're going to develop uh, all kinds of symptoms like type 2 diabetes and, and high blood pressure and all of that. And that has been the most exciting part is that people actually post their cholesterol levels, they post the blood pressure pictures on the group, they post um, they don't care, because we're a closed group so they don't really care, they're not, they, their friends are seeing that, those, those results, they're posting all kinds of ways in how they've, they've, they're curing or putting into remission their, 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 their illnesses and that is the most exciting part. So although we do focus, we used to focus a lot on losing weight. We don't focus on that anymore. We keep on telling people that improve your health and the weight loss will follow. So Yeah, it must have been incredible for you to see that. Just I'm sure in the group of 1.6 million people, thousands of people thousands. talking about like getting off of insulin, right? And I think that was something I saw three, four years ago, as I got into fasting and the low-carb ketogenic lifestyle, people that you talk to are like, I'm reducing my insulin units from, you know, 100 units to 50 units to 25. And you're like, oh, wow, this is, that's incredible. Like, congratulations. It's so rewarding. It's so, and, and then the other thing that we saw is um, uh, so many women with PCOS, with polycystic ovarian syndrome, that are having babies loads and loads and loads of babies are born on our group I mean to our group members and those women were literally told that they'd never have children all of a sudden their body is completely healing they're getting their menstrual cycles and they, they're actually having children you know they've done absolutely nothing other than cut down on the sugar, well, eliminate the sugar really, and cut down on the carbs and cut down on the, on the things that were making them ill. Because yes, we can fix the symptoms, we can give you insulin and we can give you more metamorphin, but unless we, we, we fix the cause, that is, uh, unless we fix the cause, that is never going to get you to the point where you're going to be completely off those medications, where you're Blood pressure is that of a teenager now where, you know, you're not going home with a party pack of, of tablets every time you go to, to the clinic. The, um, you know, we've got um, clinics here where, where people go to, 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 have, to see the doctors and stuff. And a lot of them, you know, have to take a day off work so they don't get paid for that day. So they were losing money that way too. Besides the medication, they were losing because they were not getting paid. So... It's it's been a very exciting journey, and and the the health benefits on this group have been nothing short of miraculous. And I'd like to challenge anyone that says that this lifestyle doesn't work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious from, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are in the Silicon Valley tech community. Growing a group to 1.6 million people plus is in, in, in five years incredibly fast. Was this such purely organic interest as people were just... Do you know, um, Dave, do you know what, what makes our group um, popular and why people join is because we're kind and we don't judge anyone for their obesity, for whatever. We, you know, we're we not the type of group that if you go and post a can of Coke because you don't know whether you're allowed to drink that on this life call or not, where people will judge you for it. We'll just say, you know what? No, you can't have that. Rather have water. Instead of saying, no, why are you here? Don't you know about this? Haven't you done research? So we basically see our group as an entry-level research. So we post links on um, on the group of, uh, you know, from all the, the famous people that you've had on before. So we post those links. We we have a, uh, an admin uh, complement of, I think, about 27 people, and they're all over the world. So we've always got somebody doing admin at any time. We pre-approve every single post that comes onto the group because we – you know, there's a lot of people trying to post porn and all kinds of stuff. So we pre-approve. So what it is, is we will pre-approve uh, a bunch of about 30 posts at a time, and then we'll go and answer them all immediately. And then the wisdom of the crowds come in, you know. We never give medical advice. If somebody's not well, we'll tell them, go see your doctor and then come back to us and, and give us some feedback. But the, the reason why the group has, uh, has grown is because we are kind people that's my opinion because uh, that's that's what people said when when the group was reinstated that there's no judgment there's no there's nobody um telling them that you know that they shouldn't do this we don't tell people what they should and shouldn't do we'll tell people what what or should i put that we don't dictate to people what they must do we we tell them what they should do to get healthy and we're very strict on the group, very strict. No hate speech, no racism, no politics, no any of that. Anything that's going to cause strife in the group, we don't allow that. Um, we respect every single person for who they are. We don't care whether you're large, small. We don't care if you've got a different skin color, if a different religious belief or, or, or sexual orientation. You know what? Take that stuff and take it somewhere else. This is not... The, the, the place for it. And, and I think that's why the group grows because we try to be kind to absolutely everybody. So it sounds like it's a very sensible discussion group, almost the epitome of what a Facebook group should be like. Obviously, as you, you as one of the admins and leaders here, it sounds very open-minded, folks in discussion, not giving medical practice online. This is more of a discussion support group and, and a, a lifestyle discussion group. You got banned last week. Yes! <laughs> out, of, out, out, out of nowhere. Oh, Talk wow. me through that. Obviously, you've, you've built this community for the last five years and then, boom, deleted. What, what was the exact statement? What was, uh, how did you respond? They said, um, well, let me just tell you, the night before the, the group was banned, I had a sick dog. Martha was, was ill the whole night. So I was awake the whole night. I fell asleep at about seven in the morning. About 45 minutes later, one of my admins, Natalie, she phoned me and she said, Rita, the group is gone. The group is gone. And I said, oh, please, man, don't talk rubbish. What's, uh, it must be some <laughs> joke. So I then logged on and I saw that said, uh, the group has been permanently deleted for transgressions of, uh, of our community standards. And I was like, what? What what did we transgress? What 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 violation violation of transgression violation of our community? So I'm like we've got a little bit of a admin chat and I went in there and I said, guys what what happened who who said what in the group what what did you guys do like, yeah. and they were like no not guilty sorry not us and I promise you my inbox was flooded with you know, you get that, that uh, message requesting and you get your inbox. I must have had probably about 2,000 messages. That's oh, what wow. happened. Why, why have you deleted us? And not only me, every other admin as well. And we were like, we don't know what's happened. We don't know what's happened. Oh, did I do something wrong? Why did you block me from the group? And I was like, no, you didn't get blocked. We all got blocked. 
So then um, there's a, a thing on Facebook on every group where you can go and look at group health. So we've been doing that regularly to make sure that we're not um, in contravention of any of their community standards because, you know, we know that that is possible, if, especially now with, with um, you know, like anti-vaccine and all of that. They, they're trying to take that down. Um, so I then decided I'm going to phone America yeah, and the lady on the phone, the, the the recorded message says, you know what, sorry for you, we don't speak to anyone. If you want to complain, go onto Facebook and complain there. So you, so you, so you tried to call Facebook the corporate line and, and it was not, nothing was there? I don't know, they, they say, choose one for Facebook, choose, choose two for Instagram, so you choose one and yeah. customer service, choose one or two, whatever, and it says, we're very sorry, but we do not offer customer service uh, on the phone. Go to, yeah. and they, they guide you to the Facebook page. But the most hilarious thing of it all is, I, I, so I fill in the forms and everything. So we start phoning everybody and who do you know at Facebook, blah, blah. So I fill in this form. And the best is they, they send me this thing back and they say to me, um, we are entitled to take down any group or any person. We, are, uh, we can take them off Facebook at any time, um, you know, our discretion. And please fill in the survey at the bottom to say whether you're satisfied or not. <laughs> <laughs> so I ignored that part. And then... They, they they sent me that within probably twelve hours and then and we everybody's freaking out. And in the meantime I just started a new group so that we could help those people that we'd been helping in the meantime, you know. Um and we basically got twenty six thousand members in like twelve hours or something. Everybody just started joining. Um obviously people were still waking up and doing all kinds of stuff. And um so, so then I, I appealed again, and then they they just said, "Oh yeah, well we've got your your request, and yeah, we'll analyze it and we'll get back to you." In the meantime, Twitter exploded, Facebook exploded, yep. everybody in the world that that was anywhere involved with low carb just came together as one and spoke as one voice and said, you know, why are you taking this group down? What is it? You know, what have they done? What community standards have they, because it's like, you know, you're like beating your head against a wall. They're so big that they basically don't care. So that's, that's what I sort of found out. You know, they, they there's no recourse. You'd think, Okay, maybe if it was a community of 160 people or 1,600 people, but 1.65 million people, for God's sake, that is like, that's like, I don't know of any other group on Facebook that is that big. To be honest, I've looked, I, yeah. I could be wrong, but a nutrition group, I haven't seen a, and we just don't understand it. And then they came back with all kinds, then it was because we were hacked, then it was because we were giving out medical advice. Then it was because somebody on our admin had had done something on another platform. And, and, and all this information were coming from official Facebook representatives. They were just telling yes. me different reasons. Everybody was giving us a different reason. Everybody. The one uh, lady on our group, she uh, on our admin, she um, has a friend that works in face, for Facebook in Ireland. And... She contacted her and that girl came back and said, listen, this isn't good news. You guys are not doctors. We've received um, thousands and thousands of reports in the last few days that you're giving out medical advice. So, yes, they said that the group was hacked. But if the group was hacked, it was hacked through Facebook. So Facebook was actually hacked, not just the group. You know, what's happened if we got a hack? What's happened to the information of all those people that are on this group? It's one, and and let me, we've got 1.1 million South Africans. The rest are all international people. So it's Americans, uh, it's British, Australians, uh, even people from Malaysia and all, all over the world. We've got people that are on this group. So what's happened to, did Facebook get hacked? I don't know. So I don't want to go down uh and and start with conspiracy theories. I'm not my youngest 
son who believes everything's a conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> I, but something's happened. Somebody somewhere targeted that group because of us promoting this, this low uh, carb lifestyle and people getting healthy without having to spend millions on, on medication. And uh, maybe I am a conspiracy theorist, but that's what I believe. I really do believe that because there's no, why come up with like 20 different right. uh, scenarios? Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of a, something that actually happened to our podcast here. We had a conversation with Dave Feldman, who some of our listeners and you might know as uh, a citizen scientist who's been doing a lot of N equals one biohacker experiments on his own blood work and proposing a theory around how LDL is not necessarily a causal factor for heart disease, which LDL sometimes mm-hmm. raises when you have a ketogenic diet. Uh, and when we were running our distribution on that podcast, uh, Facebook actually banned the promotion of that podcast. Um, right. And then we had a similar res- uh, action where we're like, okay, can we do a manual review? What's going on? You know, we're not giving medical advice. We're not telling people, you know, conspiracy theories. We're just having a conversation like you and I are having now about how we see the world and our perspectives. And I think there was some notion around, is this conspiracy against low carb, keto? Is there, is there an automatic ban on certain keywords? Um I think this is like points to the larger debate around the utility or the platforms of something like a Facebook or a Twitter, and then the push on various political sides around how do you uh, not prevent fake news but not have censorship. And I think that's one of the most, if you you know go one step further beyond just the diet world, just the whole dis- world of discourse. How yeah. do you balance, or what do you think about censorship, fake news, right? right? Like. You know, the anti-vax, do you ban that explicitly or, you know, alt-right or Nazism, do you ban that? Do you allow people to have a conversation? Um, I mean, probably a much more complicated and nuanced discussion for this conversation. But I, I, yeah. I, I, my sense is that I think nutrition, you know, is a part of that broader social norm discussion. I think that, that, I, I think that um, people are... Are feeling the uh, the effects of the wisdoms of the crowd, you know, the wisdom of the crowds, the way everybody helps each other. And let me tell you something: I I don't uh, believe um, in a lot of uh, in a lot of these these groups that you mentioned, you know. I but I also don't believe that it's right to censor them because. It's a slippery, a slippery slope to to what like a nanny state, you know. Um, I, I I don't like what you're saying, but I don't think that it's my right to stop you from saying what you have to say because I should respect your views. I might not like them. I probably don't like them. Um, you know, there's, 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 um, politically, I suppose I lean very what you would call left. I'm, I'm I'm quite liberal, um, but I don't think so. I don't think I'm liberal. I just like, you know what? I think everybody should just have an equal chance and everybody should be treated fairly and everybody should be treated the same. We all have the same aspirations. We all have the same goals for, for our families and all of that. We all just want to be left alone to, to do what we do. So although they, uh, I don't agree with a lot of things, I, I don't believe that they should be banned. I don't think censorship is a good thing, you know, unless obviously it's like endangers somebody's life. Right, inciting like, violence, uh, yep. Yeah, inciting violence. Right, I think that's, that's I, and I, I very much I, I agree with everything you just said there. I think it's strange for the alternative, which is, do you really want the government or, or, or Facebook with some, you know, we all know friends that work at Facebook, some product manager at Facebook, arbitrarily deciding, this is allowed speech. This is not allowed speech. Do we really want that alternative where you have arbitrary bureaucrats or corporate folks deciding what is a, a acceptable speech? I think that is a weird alternative to suggest is, is more optimal. Um, with the right caveats, you know, like, I, like Nazism is terrible, but it's like, okay, you, they can have their discussion there and everyone can laugh at them and, 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 and demean them. Yeah. And it's it's very much an America or Western civilization concept where we allow the KKK to have their marches and everyone has the right to critique and criticize that 
terrible, terrible behavior. And and, and that that's kind of that's kind of the democracy or freedom that we have as a, as as a society, where we allow people to do stupid stuff, and people have the right to criticize them for doing stupid stuff. No, it's all fun. It's all fun and 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 games until people get hurt. Then then I think that's when you start banning. When when there's when there's um, real violence um, implied and where there's proper hatred implied. Like, for goodness sake, if I hate eating potatoes, that's hardly going to uh, affect anybody else, you know? It's not the same as hating somebody based on the color of their skin or, or their religion or any of that. You know, like, get a grip. I absolutely agree, and I think I think I think that's a, I think that's a good distinction that you mentioned, right? It's like the the current free speech laws I think actually make a lot of sense. You can say whatever you kind of want, but if you're, you can't yell fire in a movie theater, right? That's a classic example. You're causing panic and, and causing potential harm to people. You cannot say, "Let's go kill X type of people." Uh, that's inciting and, and, and promoting actual violence. And I think there's that distinction there where it's like, okay, let's live and think about this lifestyle, which is a self-choice. I can you know, eat whatever I kind of want to eat, right? We can let you eat a bunch of soda, a bunch of sugar. That's fine. But I can't talk about, I don't want to eat that. You can't talk about that. That is very strange. Uh, the, the other thing that, that um, um, a couple of years ago, I uh, Karen Thompson, I don't know if you know her, uh, and we did a like a bit of a podcast as well with, uh, and we with about low carbing, and we weren't allowed to um, promote it on Facebook either because they said that we were fat shaming, and <laughs> I was like, how are we fat shaming? We diet shaming. We're not fat shaming. You know, we're talking about like following a different lifestyle. So I don't know if the algorithms are a bit out of whack you know like so maybe that just picks up things they've got words in there you know you're not allowed to say somebody's fat well i was fat um i'm not going to sugarcoat that or like uh i think it was dr Paul that said if you sugarcoat it you'll probably eat that too <laughs> so and i agree with him 100 but the thing is that we become so politically correct that we don't actually know how to to get out of this this world of craziness where you can't even say look i'm fat and i want to lose weight um i'm i'm unhealthy and i want to get healthy what kind of political correctness is that because what because nobody in the world is allowed to excel anymore everybody has to get a prize nobody's allowed to everybody gets offended with everything if i i'm more than willing to say i was fat i lost 30 kilos i was fat so what what now you know like but it's it's a world going crazy with the, the political correctness. So it could quite easily be that that they saw the word "fat" too many times on our group, and they just go <laughs> down. I don't know. No, I very much appreciate that sentiment because I think we 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 talk a lot of folks that have either you know served in the military or elite performers, and, and there's just some weird you know averaging of of expectations. You just can't say that you know I was I was I was bad, and I want to improve and this is my path. And it's like, you can't really say that because it's going to hurt someone's feeling that is in a bad shape right now. It's like, well, we got to have some progress here. We got to have a conversation. We want to just help people. I think your intent is not to say you are fat, you are bad. You're saying that, you know, I was fat and I didn't want to be fat because I think it's unhealthy. And I, this is my journey to like not get fat. And then people can use that as a, as a role model or a template. And on, on our group, um, I always tell people that you are not fat or overweight because you are greedy and lazy because you ate too much and you exercise too little. You're actually ill. You know, learn to accept the fact that you've got an illness called insulin resistance that will eventually become type 2 diabetes. That is what, if you've got a stomach that's really big, that's what, what you know, why make fun of somebody that's overweight? Would you make fun of somebody that's got cancer? I mean, why? Somebody that's insulin resistant has got an illness, they've got a condition that is, that is a real illness. Why make fun of those people? Why tell them that they must go and exercise? They can't even get up, for God's sake. They can't get off their couch, but they must go and run a marathon. What is that, you know? So to me, we stress all the time. I know you can go and join the group or you can't see the post if you're not a member, but 
you can go and join the group. I tell people all the time, accept that you are not this way. It doesn't matter how much you starve yourself. As long as you keep on eating potatoes and rice and pot, you are going to stay fat. The thing is, you know, look, they fail at all these diets because the, the calorie in, calorie out crowd wants to starve these people. But we weren't meant to starve. Maybe, yes, maybe in caveman days, people did starve because there was nothing around. But nowadays, you go, you on every shop, on every street corner, there's a McDonald's or there's a, a, a whatever, Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever. And um, the, the interesting thing is that, that once people start realizing that this isn't their fault necessarily, that's when they make that, that transition where they realize, you know what, I can do this. I, I've got an illness. And I've got to eat for my illness. You know, if I was diabetic, I wouldn't take sugar. So therefore, I'm insulin resistant. So I've got to eat to to put my illness in remission. I mean, we've got people in our group that have lost like 87 kilos. Don't ask me pounds. I don't, I don't talk in pounds. It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like 150, 160 pounds. Damn, that's massive. Yeah. Correct. Correct. They've lost that. And, and, and not through exercise okay they start exercising later when they can actually get up and walk um not through exercise they've done it simply by cutting carbs and cutting sugar i mean i think you're restoring agency back to the individual where i think you're you're empowering them you, you know this it's you're you're out of shape or fat not because you're a bad person it's because you're suffering from a, a form of disease and you can take agency and create a lifestyle to actually fix and resolve and mitigate those issues, which I think is a very empowering yeah. message. Yeah, and, and you know, quite often we get the, the uh, message on the group, oh, I hate my body. And I always say to them, don't dance because you hate your body. Dance because you love it. Make love it enough to get better, you know. And, and I find that uh, I find that that gets people going when they you, when you start empowering people and you start giving them knowledge, but not very sciencey knowledge. Okay, like we're not very sciencey. Okay, we don't go like I mean, if you have to tell somebody to go and check with the HPA1C and they don't know what it is, we just tell them go have a blood test. You know, like you, you uh, I find quite often that it's so sciencey that it just goes over normal people's heads. I mean, I'm on on a, 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 a chat group on Twitter, I think it is, I never say a word because those people are so clever that I never say a word. I just, <laughs> They're just citing research papers and, yeah, hemoglobin A1C, LDL, HDL, lipidology, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, quite often you say to people, that people will say, look, look, my cholesterol is high, and they'll say, what is the breakdown? And what, what do you mean there's a breakdown? Because <laughs> they don't have that information. They're not empowered. You will say to them, there's good cholesterol, there's bad cholesterol, there's triglycerides. So, you know, if your doctor is saying to you that your, your cholesterol is high, maybe your, your good cholesterol is high. Have you asked them for that breakdown? So, right. so these, 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 all of that. Uh, I must tell you this story because this actually happened yesterday. It's actually shocking the level of, um, the level of knowledge that doctors in, give to their, their patients. We, uh, a lady said, sent me a message, said her husband's so advancing and he's a type 1 diabetic and he's, He's got getting sugar lows. So I said, well, has he been to his doctor? I had a blood test and checked to see. I'm not going to tell her to go to HbA1c because that's not going to. So I said, has he, has he gone to the doctor to check his, you know, his, his glucose levels and to see if they're coming down and is he decreasing his, his insulin? So she said, no, what do you think he must decrease his insulin? So I said, well, you know, if you have got high glucose, then you've got to take more insulin. If you've got low glucose, then you've got to take less insulin. So I never knew that. What are you what are you talking about? I never knew that. I just thought the man's not eating enough. But he's still his blood sugars have come down, but he's still taking the same amount of insulin that he was taking uh... before. Because you know what? They're young, they're a young couple of about twenty five or something. They don't know about this stuff, you know? Like I'm like Okay, just ask your doctor to explain that to you. So they don't. It's it's not stupidity or ignorance. It's 
but they haven't been told, you know, and I'm not, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just saying to her, look, it's, it, it makes sense that, you know, like when your husband's blood sugar is a bit high, then he gives himself extra insulin. She said, yes. So I said, well, now that it's low, you've got to reduce the insulin. Never knew that. It's just that. <laughs> what? what uh? No. That, and so, of course, he's getting very low. And, I mean, he's, he's threatening going hyperglycemic, which is, yep, makes you sense. know, is so dangerous. So I so you get that man to the doctor tomorrow, you go and get a blood test done and you go so that the doctor can adjust his insulin. And then she just said to me, well, thank you so much because I've taken so much away from this. And I was like, okay, well, that just makes sense to me. But it doesn't make sense to everybody. Not everybody um, thinks that way. You know, the doctor told him he's got to take 110 units of insulin per day, then he will carry on taking 110 uh, units of insulin per day with and that's why I'm saying they don't sit people down and say to them this is what happens when you take glucose I mean when you take uh, insulin this is why you take insulin what is the function of insulin they don't tell people that. I, I, I 100% agree with that sentiment here which is that I think and I think this is what's happening with the growth of groups like yours and the growth of more of what you call citizen science or biohacking people just want to understand what the mechanisms are before just following a blind script. And I think more and more doctors are realizing that you don't necessarily treat your patients as a dumb little box that you just shove medicine at. If we can actually empower and teach people what are the mechanisms, why this drug, why this intervention does something, that gives the patient ultimately more understanding and awareness and, and hopefully improves compliance of using this medicine. And I, I think I can imagine folks on the other side would say, no, these people are not trained. They have no education before medicine. They should just like listen to the doctor and, and, and don't question. I, I just don't think that's realistic anymore. I, I don't think people in this modern age with access to information are just going to follow a script. If you treat the patient as a rational human that wants to improve their lifestyle, if you just empower them a little bit by just explaining to them why you're doing this, why you should lower your insulin as you go on a lower carbohydrate diet so you don't go hypoglycemic as you're kind of describing, um, I think the patient would be like, oh, wow, I understand a little bit better and I will comply with your script better. Uh, and, you know, she still didn't quite understand. So I said to her, you know what? Previously, maybe he ate a slice of cake. So he would take the insulin for that slice of cake. So I said, well, now he's not having that that slice of cake, but he's still taking the insulin for that slice of cake. It was like, oh, okay, now I understand. You know, so, so it's, 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 on our group, when you've got 1.6 million people, any, any problem that you have, somebody has had it before. Please believe me, whether it be that you've got um, a keto rash or whether you've got whatever, there's somebody that will come along and say, look, Go obviously we always say go and see your doctor, but they'll say, oh I had that and this is what I did and this is what fixed it. And then somebody else yeah. will come along and say, oh yeah, I also had that. And yes, if with a kidney rash, I just increased my my cost a little bit and and it went away. So you know that that is the wisdom of the crowd. That is yep. what is empowering people. That and and I think that people are far more comfortable just speaking to somebody that is on their level than yeah. somebody that, that you know, looks down at them. I'm the doctor, you the patient. I know your body better than you do. It, it doesn't work like that in life anymore, you know. I'm not saying that yeah. Google uh, is a substitute for a medical degree, but there's a hell of a lot of information out there, hey? There's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's horrible because, you know, we're all going to die within the next five minutes if we follow all the Google uh, advice. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, I think that's an important caveat and I think an important nuance that I do want to underline. You know, both of us are not medical doctors. Uh, Google is not a replacement for formal medical training. And I think, I think our, our role here with the discussion is we're not telling people what to do, but we, I think it's worth the information and help people understand and start digesting uh, how to think about themselves and ask the right questions to their actual doctor. I think arming the patient 
with the right questions and the right baseline sense of information so they can actually have a productive conversation with their primary care practitioner as opposed to coming in completely naive, completely dumb with no idea what to do and just, please, doctor, you know, just fix me. Uh, giving, I, I think, I think that's like, uh, I think, and I think you agree with this: is giving people, empowering people, with some agency and some background knowledge for the right questions uh, to take a little bit of agency of their own health. Absolutely, you know, and and you know how how empowering it is to to go to a doctor and say, look, I've got this this rash, this keto rash, because uh, that happens. We don't know why it happens. Nobody knows why it happens. Some people get it, some people don't. You know, it's basically they they they. They, they, they're starving their body completely of, of carbohydrates. But the, I know that there's a carnivore movement out there, but not everybody can do it. Like, like not everybody can. Uh, I've got a friend in Canada. She can't eat any vegetables. She's, a, she's got such bad Crohn's and celiac disease that she can't eat any vegetables. So, uh, but the thing is to be able to go to the doctor and say, yeah, you know what? I've got this and, and I saw that a lot of people have got it too. Can you tell me what it is? You know, it's, it's empowering. You know, you, you've got it power back in people's hands, power, empowering them about their own bodies, you know. And, uh, you know, we had uh, uh, people on our group at, at one stage, all these purists, you know, like, oh, gosh, they were just the most annoying people on earth. Oh, no, you can't do that because of this, that, and the other. And we just said, you know what, quite honestly, people will eat what they want to eat. Um, and and I find that that's another sort of group that that keep people almost trapped because they intimidate people so much. We are not that. We we are not that. We are not here to to um, tell you that you need to go and research before you come and ask us. You know what? If you're going to research and you don't need to ask for help, you know you're going to. So we see this very much as a research thing, so that you can get. Um, it's like a forum where you can get help from other people that are that have gone through the same thing. Long story short, you know that's what it is. So the good news is that it, within the last couple of days, the group was finally reinstated. Yeah. Um, can you talk us about how that came to resolution, and then do you have a sense of how to prevent this from happening in the future? I mean, obviously, if it, you know, did you learn something from this? Uh, or was it you didn't learn anything and you're just like, I don't know? I don't know. I didn't learn a damn thing. But but they took us down on the 14th of May and then they, uh, at about 8 o'clock in the morning, South African time, and then they reinstated us on the 17th of May at about, probably about 8 o'clock at night, um, they reinstated us. Um it was devastating for most of our members. They were they were lost. They they they, they literally go. I mean, I, I remember at one stage on the group they had a hashtag on there saying "I'm a groupie" because they, everybody just used to go there because they they needed this. So what have I learned from this? I learned that that um, the group is a lot more important than I actually believed. I didn't know. I just you know you just do what you do and. Yeah, you know what? Somebody mentions you every now and then, and stuff. Oh, okay, I, I'm not not a celebrity person at all. I don't think I, I'm not I'm not like that. So, um, so I didn't realize how how important it was. But I can tell you something that really heavyweights got involved in in getting the group reinstated. One of them was Greg Glassman from CrossFit, mm, and. Yeah. He just uh, uh, it, he took it very personally, actually, and uh, he was calling all kinds of people, senators and attorneys, and and I was like, oh my goodness! I mean, I'm like this little woman in, in Cape Town, and all of these people are, are. And then I started realizing that this group is really important to so many people that that. Um, People were prepared to come together and and help us get this thing up and running again. What I found from the members was like, I mean, I don't know how many times I saw in the group in the last few days. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, there was just so many of them. <laughs> um, and I think people were angry as well, but I think over it. You know, you know what it's like. I mean, like. You know, it's like a story on Facebook. You get angry today, but by, by tomorrow morning you fight because something else has happened. 
So we get back to the, the business of helping people and getting them to um, and getting them to to just um, live a healthier life, and, and that's it. You know, it's, it's, it's why they took us down. If they're going to take us down again, I don't know. I don't think they'll try because there's some really serious people got involved in this. Yeah. So I mean, this is a real community. I mean, this is a almost this is like a city of people talking together, and I, I can completely understand how. Thousands of people would miss their city. They miss their community if it's gone and, and blown out for no reason. Um, but hopefully, there's a silver lining here where people realize, or Facebook, or the folks at powers that may be, that you you can't don't mess with these people because this is important for many many people. Uh, thank you so much for creating this group and this service. And I think just our conversation for this last hour. Or so I mean, I think it, that that leadership, that warmth, really comes from you know how you set the pace and tone. So how do our listeners? get involved or stay in touch and help support this this growth here obviously there's the the banting seven day meal plan group that you run well i've got some exciting news um i've got a book coming out in october so myself and and uh Natalie and and kim uh with a few of the admins and myself we we're writing a book that will be um you know just talking and telling people how to follow this lifestyle in plain English, not um, scientific English, just plain English. It's basically most of the questions that have been asked on the group that we've, uh, it's just an expanded FAQ basically and then lots of recipes, the recipes that were the most popular on the group, but affordable recipes where, where you can involve your entire family. So that's one one exciting thing that's happening. And um, hard to get involved. You know what? Uh, you don't have to get in, involved on on the group, but you know what? Just reach out to somebody close to you that's batting with us, and just say to them there is another way, and just give them hope. Go onto the group and join the group, and go and get before and afters, and go and get testimonials there, and show people that you know what? You don't have to live a life where you are basically doomed to to live in a prison called the body for the rest of your life and have kindness and patience with people well said well i i can't say anything much better than that so we'll, we'll wrap it here rita really a wonderful conversation and i'm looking forward to the book and the continued growth of the, of the group and, and all, all the all the work you're doing thank you Thanks for tuning in this week, everyone. If you want to learn more about HVMN and our offerings, visit www.hvmn.com pod. Also, by writing a review on our iTunes page and sending a screenshot to podcast at hvmn.com, we'll hook you up with $15 worth of HVMN store credit. Our last shout out goes out to our listener survey, which lets us know who you are better so we can continue making episodes you find most valuable. Visit go.hvmn.com slash podcast survey for that survey. It'll only take a few minutes and new submissions are eligible for an HVMN ketone giveaway. Until next time, eat well, train smart, and live your life.